Hey, I want to welcome you today to the Marty McLean Podcast. This will actually be the first episode of Season 2. Now, if you joined me for Season 1, you know that I covered such topics as should evangelicals support the nation of Israel? We also talk about hot-button issues such as abortion, and I made one comment that the Democratic Party does have an abortion problem, and it's okay to be a single-issue voter. We talked about should Christians be involved in politics. Also from a biblical perspective, we looked at God, Satan, angels, and demons. So we covered a lot of topics pertaining to life, religion, and politics, and I want to continue to do that in season two, but I'm going to have a little bit different of of an angle that I'm coming at it from. I'm going to primarily be speaking about the book of Ezekiel from the Old Testament. Now, the book of Ezekiel is incredibly relevant to the day in which we live. And, and I'm going to set it in its historical context, and I'm going to talk about theological, theological aspects of the book of Ezekiel, and we'll see how it applies to our day in which we live today. Still going to be talking about politics, still going to be talking about the current state of our nation, and boy, do we have something going on today in the United States of America. We have a very contentious election coming up in just a few weeks, and also we have a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Now, you talk about throwing a grenade into an already volatile situation, but that's what the the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. Now, I'll be honest with you, I never was a fan of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I do want to pray for her family and her passing, but, you know, she held to policies that I did not agree with. She was an extreme advocate of same-sex marriage. Uh, She was an extreme advocate of abortion. And I believe that those two issues are very detrimental to the life of the United States of America. And I believe that those two issues have brought incredible damage upon the fabric of our of our culture and of our nation. And so, you know, I do pray for her family uh, in her passing, but her death has opened up a new seat on the Supreme Court. And that is a big deal. And I do want this president, this current president, President Trump, my desire is that President Trump would appoint a a pro-life justice to the Supreme Court. Now, I believe that the Supreme Court has overstepped their bounds in a lot of areas of our lives, and it is a very contentious arm of the government right now. And I do, my desire is that there be conservative judges put on the Supreme Court, and if President Trump says he's going to put conservative justices on the Supreme Court, and a potential President Biden says that uh, he's going to put liberal activist judges on the Supreme Court, then, you know, to me, it's a choice that, that, that is there because of what happens from the Supreme Court and how that applies to the fabric of our nation. Now I would like to go to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. I always like to set the historical context. We know that from biblical sources, from extra-biblical sources, that the time in which Ezekiel would prophesy it would begin in 593 B.C. And that was not a good time to be a Jew. Reason being, uh, the northern empire of the Jews, the northern kingdom of Israel, had been defeated by the Assyrians in 721 B.C. The southern kingdom was now under the dominion of the Babylonians. It it is interesting, uh, from 640 to 609 B.C., the southern kingdom had a really good king. His name was Josiah. He, He instituted all kinds of reforms. He turned the people back to God. But it was only superficial. The people really didn't want to serve God, but they just did it because the king said to do it. And in 609 B.C., 
you had the Egyptians coming up along the coast in order to join the Assyrians to battle against the Babylonians because the Babylonians were taking over everything at that time. And Josiah wanted to prevent the Egyptian pharaoh from joining the Assyrians. The pharaoh Necho said, do not do this or I'm going to kill you. Josiah did it anyway, and so the pharaoh killed Josiah. And the Egyptians went up and they fought alongside the Assyrians. Uh, they were beaten by the Babylonians, and so the Assyrians and the Egyptians had to re retreat. The Egyptians were able to maintain power in and around Jerusalem and Judea, and Josiah was dead. His son became king in his place, Jehoahaz. Well, Pharaoh didn't like Jehoahaz, so he replaced Jehoahaz with another one of Josiah's sons, and he renamed Josiah's son Jehoiakim. So the Jews didn't even get to choose their own king at that time. The king that they chose got replaced and taken into Egyptian captivity, and Pharaoh named another one of Josiah's sons to be the king, and he even changed his name. That's, that happened in 609 B.C. Well, in 605 B.C., what was left of the Assyrian army joined once again with the Egyptians uh, at Carchemish, and they took on the Babylonians. The Babylonians defeated them. That's a major battle in world history. Carchemish is, uh, is known as you know, one of the pivotal battles in history because at that time, the Babylonians become the, the ruling empire of the day. The Assyrians would be completely wiped out, and the Egyptians from there on out would be relegated to the role of a second-rate power. And so now, 605 B.C., the Jews are no longer under the dominion of the Egyptians. Now they're a vassal state of the Babylonians, and so they had to change their allegiance. Jehoiakim goes along with that. Um, four or five years pass, and he kind of thinks he could join again with the Egyptians, declare independence from the Babylonians. That doesn't work out too well. 598, Nebuchadnezzar is shown back up, and somehow Jehoiakim, during the siege of the city, he dies, and his son Jehoiakim becomes king in his place. Well, Nebuchadnezzar comes back into the city. He doesn't really like Jehoiakim, and so what he does is he takes Jehoiakim captive, and he replaces him with another one of Josiah's sons, and he, he names him Zedekiah. So Zedekiah becomes the king of Judah. Jehoiakim, the 18-year-old king who only reigned for three months, is taken into exile. When he's taken into exile, a lot of the other leading Jews are taken into exile with him. And this is when Ezekiel goes into exile. He's a priest of a priestly family there in Jerusalem, and he's among all of the ones that are taken into Babylonian captivity in 597 B.C. Now, let me just say this. In 605 B.C., there was the first group taken into captivity, and that's when Daniel, the prophet, and the ones known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken during that time. And now in 597 B.C., Ezekiel's taken into captivity. So now it's 593 B.C. when Ezekiel, he's by this river, Kabar, which is not really a river, it's an irrigation channel off the Euphrates River, and he's in a town known as Tel Abib, and some would say from the name of that town, it was a town that had been deserted, but the Jews were brought into that town to repopulate it. So they're hundreds of miles away from home. They're in this town that's on a river that's really an irrigation channel off the Euphrates, they're in captivity. They're, they're not 
in amongst the, the people of the promised land anymore. They're in Babylonian captivity. And that is when Ezekiel begins to write. Now, if you look in chapter 1 of the book of Ezekiel, it starts out, he says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was among the captives by the river Kibar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. So he says, this is the day when it happened. I can tell you when it happened. This is the day when it happened. I'm amongst the captives. That's, you don't want to be among captives. That means you're a captive. It means you've been taken. You're, you're held somewhere you really don't want to be. He said, that's where I was. But I had visions of God. All of a sudden, I had this, this vision. It says, on the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, he said, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest. And it came to him in the land of the Chaldeans. And it was this, all of a sudden, he's having this vision, and there's this whirlwind, this storm coming out of the north. There's all this brightness, there's, there's all this light radiating out of the midst of it. And he said, also from the midst of it came four living creatures. Now this, when you read the account, you can go there, there and read the account in Ezekiel chapter 1. These creatures were something like was created in a laboratory. I mean, we'd think somebody's been into some type of genetic something going on. Well, here's what it, what it says about these, these creatures. It says they had four faces. Had the face of a man, the face of a cow, the face of a lion, and the face of an eagle. Now think about that. Man's the highest of God's creation. Lion, king of the wild beasts. Ox, king of the domesticated animals. Eagle, king of the air, king of the birds. So this represents all of God's created order. So he, has this, he sees these four creatures. They have four faces. And they have, they have two sets of wings. And they have the, the hands of a man and, and the feet of a calf. You know, like a moo, like a cow, like a calf. And so he sees these creatures. And it says, the wings of the creatures, says they touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. So they didn't have to change directions because you had four faces, and they could just go without changing direction because whichever direction they went, they had a face facing that direction. So he's in the land, away, away from the promised land, way away from the temple, now, the temple at this time is still standing. The temple would be destroyed seven years later, but the temple is still in Jerusalem. You still have people in Jerusalem under Babylonian domination, but the city has not been destroyed at this time. And so there's always this thought, well, maybe we can go back. Maybe we can go back. Well, Jeremiah the prophet has already written a letter to those who had been taken into captivity in Jeremiah 20, chapter 29, and he's told them, hey, make the best of the time you're there. You're not coming back. You're not coming home. He says, plant vineyards, raise your, raise your children, pray for the peace of the city in which you are, because in its peace you will have peace. So this is going to be a time of chastisement. They're going to be there for a few decades. And some of them are going to die in Babylonian captivity. But in the midst of all this, having been several years, four, going on five years, out of the promised land, in the land of captivity, Ezekiel has this vision, and he sees these creatures, and there's four of them. They have four faces. They have the, the feet of a calf, the hands of a man. They have wings. And it says that each one would go straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted them to go. There's, some type of, there's something spiritual going on here. 
He says, as for the likeness of the living creatures, he said their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth. The fire was bright, and out of it went lightning. So there's all this fire, there's this wind, there's fire, there's four creatures. There's all this flashing of light. He says in verse 14, living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of light. So they could go in all four directions. They'd go like a flash of light. But verse 15 says, I looked at the living creatures, and behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The, the appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all had the same likeness. The appearance of their working was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So you've heard of the wheel within a wheel? This is what it's talking about. There's a wheel, and in the middle of that wheel, the axles cross one another. It could, what it basically means is this chariot that these cherubim, these are cherubim, these angelic beings, this chariot, this, this device can go in any direction. It's omnidirectional. It does not have to pivot. It can go anywhere, anytime, the same speed. It never has to turn. And so this is a spiritual thing, something he's seeing. It's a spiritual vision. It's, there's something spiritual here. These creatures, are, we would know them as cherubim. Somebody has said that they are the beast of burdens that God uses. He put cherubim at the entrance to the Garden of Eden so man could not get back in the Garden of Eden. And he has this vision. And he sees these, these angelic beings. And, and there are these wills involved. He says... When they moved, they went toward any one of the four directions. They didn't have to turn aside as they went. And he says, as for the rims, they were high and they were awesome. And their rims are full of eyes all around the four of them. So he says, there are rims on these wheels. Now, everybody likes rims nowadays, right? And I'll be honest with you. I've never understood all the, the, the fascination with rims. You know, the other day I was in Carrollton and I saw an orange car with pink rims. And it was very well kept. I mean, it was shined and polished car, but I don't understand why people are so concerned about the rims on the vehicle. You know, there are some vehicles that the rims are worth more than the vehicle itself. Well, he makes notice of the rims, Ezekiel does, and he says, man, these rims, they're awesome. These are, these are awesome ones that had eyes, eyes in the rims. They were full of eyes. He says, when the creature went, the wheels went with them, and when the Living creatures were lifted up from the earth. The wheels were lifted up. So this thing could, it could get some air. It could go through the air. But it had these wheels, and it had eyes in the rims of these wheels. And above all this, it says, verse 22, the likeness of the firmament, this some type of platform, above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out, each one toward another. Each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of the wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult, like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. So their wings, when, they, when the wings worked, this thing was loud. I mean, it was loud. It, it was loud. This, this, this device had rims. So you can imagine nowadays, I mean, a lot of people like a loud vehicle, you know, that kind of loud, and they like the big rims. Man, this thing was impressive. And it had these cherubim on it, four faces. 
the face of a man, the face of an ox, the face of a lion, and the face of an eagle. And the eyeballs and the rims and, and the loud, the noise. But then there's a voice from above the firmament was over the heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. It says above, above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne and in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was the likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist upward, I saw as it were the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around it. And from the appearance of the waist and downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of the one speaking. He said, not only did you have these rims, not only did you have this noise, not only did you have these four-faced creatures, but there was the appearance of a man on top of that platform, on top of that throne. There's a firmament and a throne on it and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, one who had the appearance of a man and was, he was like fire. Now many would believe this is a pre-incarnated appearance of Jesus Christ. This is God on the throne. And he's having this vision. It's like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he had the vision of the Lord in the temple. And there are cherubim involved in that as well. And so Ezekiel, as he's in this time of exile, he feels cut off from God. He's been at it for four or five years. He's at the age where he should be working in the temple now, but he can't get to the temple because he's in exile. And now God's given him this vision in the land of Kibara, in, in the land of captivity, in the land of the Babylonians, he has this vision. And there are these creatures. And, and there's this chariot-like thing and, and these wheels and these eyes that are in the rims and, and the noise and then the voice and the appearance. He has a vision of God. Now that's very important. This was a very pivotal time in Jewish history. The Jews were going to go into captivity. In just seven years, from the writing of, from when Ezekiel saw this vision, Nebuchadnezzar would destroy Jerusalem. He would destroy the temple. And there were some that had somehow gotten this limited view of God, that God was only God in, in the land of promise, in the land of the Jews, but now they're seeing, oh man, God's not just stuck to this geographic location. God is the God of the whole earth. And that's part of what this vision is imparting to Ezekiel. That, that chariot that's omnidirectional, God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. God, God sees it all. The, the eyes that are in the rim, God sees it all. It's like what the prophet told a previous king, King Asa. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, he says, For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the face of the earth, that he may show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God sees everything. God knows what's going on. And that's one of the things that we need to remember in our day in which we live today. God sees everything that's going on. God knows what goes on in the smoke-filled rooms. God knows what goes on with secret donations. God knows who is behind the mayhem and the mischief in our nation? God knows the people who have nefarious motivations. God knows what's going on. God knows what's in the heart of man. God knows what man plans. So, 
Take comfort in that, in the, way, in the world in which we live, in the day in which we live. All that's going on in our world today, just like Ezekiel had this vision, he sees all these eyes. God knows. God sees it all. It's just a way of showing to Ezekiel, God sees everything. And the omnidirectional part, the, the will within the will, could go anywhere without pivoting. God's omnipresent. God's everywhere. You're never going to be somewhere where God's presence is not there. God knows where you are. You're never where somebody, somewhere that God doesn't know where you are. Even Ezekiel, a priest who couldn't be at the temple, a Jew that was out of the promised land, a man that was in captivity, God knew where he was. God can go anywhere. God's the God of the whole earth. That's why a lot of times when people say, well, I don't believe you should be bringing God in this. I'm thinking, well, God's in it anyway. This is his world. This is his earth. And we're here on his terms. God is everywhere. God knows everything. He's, he's omnipresent. He's omniscient. And then you have this throne. And you see the vision of the one that's on the throne. That speaks of God's omnipotence. God is all-powerful. God has all power. He can do whatever He wants to, whenever, however He wants to, and it will never go against His character or His holiness. The fire, man, that's representing God's holiness. God's a holy God. There's that purifying fire that's associated with the presence of God. Ezekiel, a man in exile, Ezekiel, a man who has seen his own nation become captive to another nation, a man who will see his own nation destroyed in that place where he used to worship, decimated and just torn to pieces. He sees that God's all-powerful, that God's all-knowing, that God's all-seeing. He has a vision of God that's going to sustain him, that's going to give him confidence, that's going to give him boldness because he's going to need it. Let me tell you something. Everything that's going on in our world today, God's more powerful than any man. It's not even a contest. God knows everything that's going on, and God sees everything that's going on. So what we need to do is we need to, we need to take our confidence from God. The Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We don't need to be hesitant. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be worrisome. We don't need to have all this depression and anxiety. Our God's on the throne. Nothing has kicked him, and no one has kicked him off the throne. And so Ezekiel has this, this vision. And it's interesting. He talks, about a, he talks about a rainbow. He said there's a rainbow. Verse 28, like like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. The likeness of the glory of God. There's a rainbow around that throne. You know, it talks about that in Revelation chapter 4, verse 3. A rainbow. Rainbows are special. You know, several years ago, we were down at the Turks and Caicos, and we were at this resort, and, you know, it's right there near the equator, so when you look up at the sun, it just to me it just seemed like the sun was a lot closer, which, you know... It was a lot closer. But one day we were down there, and I looked up, and there was a rainbow around the sun. I had never seen that before in my life. There was a rainbow around the sun, a perfect rainbow around the sun. And so I was like, man, that's got to be something. And so I looked at a couple of the people that worked there, that lived there, and I said, hey, what do y'all call that when there's a rainbow around the sun like that? And they said, they looked up and they said, I don't know. We've never seen anything like that before. I thought, my goodness, what's happening? Is this in the end of the world or something? I mean, why is there a rainbow around the sun? Well, from what I understand, it does happen sometimes. But that was just such a unique experience to see a rainbow around the sun. 
Ezekiel, in his vision, he sees a rainbow around the throne. Rain, a rainbow, remember, is a promise from God. A rainbow reminds us of the promises of God. A rainbow was originally put in the sky to give Noah a promise that God would never destroy the world again by a flood. And you can imagine after that flood happened, every time it rained, it would be like, man, is this going to kill us? Do we need to build a boat? But God had given them a, a visual reminder. Roy G. Biff, you know, the red, the orange, the yellow, the green, the blue, the indigo, the violet. God had given them a reminder through that refraction that I'm never going to destroy the earth, the whole earth, through a flood again. There will never be a worldwide flood that destroys the whole earth. Now, the world will be destroyed by fire, we're told, but it won't be by a flood. And so the, a rainbow is a reminder of the promises of God. And it's interesting. Let me say something about the rainbow. Now, I understand nowadays, you know, I'm hesitant by anything with a rainbow on it because it's a symbol of the LGBTQ uh, community. And it's supposed to be a reminder of the promises of God. And it's almost like in our culture today, it's, I feel like it's been hijacked. I, I do. I, I don't mind saying that. I, I feel like that when people use the rainbow as a symbol of their pride in doing something that the Bible says is, is wrong, is sinful, I don't think that's, a, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. But the rainbow is a reminder of the promises of God. And you can imagine Ezekiel as he looked at that throne and he saw that rainbow around that throne of God. God keeps his promises. Now let me tell you something. In the day in which we live today, we need to remember God keeps his promises. Now I don't know what, what all we're going to see in the next few months. Or should I say in the next four to five weeks. But I do know this. And you can take this from the, the vision that Ezekiel saw. God is on the throne. God is on the throne. He is in control. He is omnipotent. God is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He sees it all. And no matter what anybody is scheming, no matter what anybody is planning to, to do whatever to the election or whatever, I know this. I know that God sees everything. And God is more powerful than anybody that tries to manipulate anything. God is more powerful. And so when I pray, I'm praying to a God that's all-powerful, all all-knowing, and all-present. And I pray to a God that is holy. And I pray to a God that keeps His promises. So when I look out at the world and I see all the craziness that's going on, I know that God is faithful and God will keep His promises promises. Now today, we have a lot of fear. Today we have a lot of things that we could worry about. I want to challenge you. You go and you read this first chapter of Ezekiel. And we're going to be looking at Ezekiel this in the next, well, this season of the Martin McLean podcast, because I believe it's very applicable to the day in which we live. I want you to go look at that, at that whole book. I want you to read. Just go to the first chapter. Read that. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're fearful about, whatever you're worried about, I want you to always remember, God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God keeps His promises. Even when you are a captive in a foreign land, 
God knows, God sees, and God can do something about it. That changes your perspective on the way you live your life. I hope you remember that today. Now, we just looked at the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel. We've got more to come in the following weeks. But I want to thank you today for being with me for the Marty McLean podcast. As I told you, it's going to be a little bit different this, this season. We're going to be coming at it from Scripture, but we're still going to be talking about life, religion, and politics. We're still going to be talking about the issues of the day, but we're going to start off from the Bible. Once again, thank you for being with me today on the Marty McLean podcast. I hope you have a great, great week, and I hope to see you next time next week on the Marty McLean podcast.